The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, Feb 5, 2019, and this is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Coming up on today's show, Buzz Burbank from Buzz Burbank News and Comment is here today. Trump delivers his State of the Union tonight. And I got my fingers crossed. We can only hope that his teeth fly out at least once. I mean, just give us this. We need this. America needs to laugh. Uh, plus, uh, more legal trouble for Trump as prosecutors have subpoenaed his inaugural committee records. And Trump spends most of his time yelling at his television, according to leaked documents. Bad news for Trump. And you know what? Kind of good news for America. We'll explain in a second. And, uh, oh, let's talk about Chris Lavoie's Banded Masculine Candles. Banded Masculine Candles are all-natural soy wax candles in steel containers with masculine scents like leather, blood orange, and hunting lodge. Each one is poured by Chris Lavoie's mighty hands. And no lavender. He hates that crap. There's leather. It smells like a broken-in baseball glove or maybe a, a harness. <laughs> Blood Orange sends deep, complex citrus scent into the air. Hunting Lodge is a sweet mix of blue, spruce, and whiskey. Humidor smells like unsmoked pipe tobacco, earthy with hints of cherry and cognac. Campfire brings the scent of crackling campfire blaze indoors. Roast a marshmallow over it, or try to. Freshly cut grass brings the clean smell of freshly mown lawn out indoors without the allergies. And Mojito is a fresh mix of mint and lime with just a hint of rum. And, uh, oh, absinthe is a heady mix of star anise and black currant. Some say it smells like rich aftershave. Chris is using his bulbous pectorals to create some of the best-smelling candles I've ever whiffed. So if you shop, make sure to click the Banded Masculine link at bobseska.com, and we get a small commission from every candle you purchase. Again, that's the Banded Masculine link just beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Mr. Speaker, members of Congress, distinguished citizens, and fellow citizens. Every year, by law and by custom, we meet here to threaten the world. The American flag stands for corporate scandals, recession, stock market declines, blackmail, terror, burning with hot irons, dripping acid on the skin, mutilation with electric drills, cutting out tongues, and rape. Our first goal is to show utter contempt for the environment. I have sent you a comprehensive... I have sent you a comprehensive energy plan to devastate communities, kill wildlife, and burn away millions of acres of treasured forests. This government is taking unprecedented measures to protect our people and defend our homeland. We've begun inoculating troops and first responders against ballistic airports. And this year, we must offer every child in America three nuclear missiles. And tonight I have a message for the people of Iraq. Go home and die. Trusting in the sanity and restraint of the United States is not a strategy and it is not an option. If you vote for me, 
All of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> that guy was president for eight years. It is the uh, Trump crisis day, 747, also my favorite airliner. 637 days until the 2020 presidential election and 10 days until the next government shutdown. And right over there, it's TV's Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. You know what's amazing about that piece of tape, an edited piece of tape, is that (laughs) Bush never came close to most of those things. Uh, Trump, however, that sounds like something Trump would like to say, doesn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, let's let's tear up the environment and give give every kid three nuclear missiles. And America is here to threaten the world. And all of the things, I love all of the things that the the American flag stands for in that uh, hey, first speech. Hey, listen, before we get started, <laughs> uh, I, I have a question. Okay. Are, are we actually working when we do this show, or yeah. does this count as executive time? Uh, it's executive time is what it is. In fact, we have State <laughs> of the Union applause for executive time. Yay! I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. Executive time. Everybody. Executive time for the... Whole country. Yeah, thank you. Take your seats. Keep your seats. Thank you. Nancy Pelosi doesn't look impressed. (laughs) All right. Well, of course, the State of the Union uh, is tonight. And uh, from what we know so far, apparently Trump plans to tell Crying Chuck, Danang Dick, Crazy Bernie, Little Adam Shit, and Low IQ Maxine that he wants to Uh unify the country in a spirit of cooperation. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And he's going to do that, of course. Uh, This is the first time. Gosh, maybe ever. I mean, I've been racking my brain today trying to think of any other occasion upon which Trump spoke to a room that contained more Democrats than Republicans. Yeah, yeah. And you know what that means? That with, means with with a Democrat seated over his left shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? That means the possibility of Trump outbursts, improvised straying from the teleprompter to say something obnoxious. That's kind right. of what I'm I'm thinking is gonna happen tonight. And of course, you know, we're in the business buzz. We gotta watch this goddamn thing tonight. But uh Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I, I'm excited to see uh, Stacey Abrams' State of the Union speech, yes, which I understand too. is on right after Trump's State of the Wall. Oh yes, yeah, uh, Stacey Abrams. Yes, yeah. hey, Stacey Abrams. So first we'll hear about the wall, and mm-hmm. then and then the State of the Union from <laughs> Stacey Abrams. Yes. So that'll be it's a nice build-up, nice lead-in, I think, for Stacey's speech. Yeah. Uh, my my, I think we share the same feeling on this. My interest in the State of the Union speech is about the same as my interest in NASCAR. I'm only watching. <laughs> I'm only watching in case there's a fiery crash. <laughs> yes, and I, I'm desperately hoping for that. I mean, I was joking about the teeth, but yeah. God damn it, Buzz, every time Trump is on television and he's talking publicly, I've got my fingers crossed, I've got my face pressed up against the television just waiting for the teeth to go flying in. When he gave the primetime uh, presidential address recently about, of course, the wall, which uh-huh. that's the only thing we talk about yeah. now, even though much more exciting and interesting things and important things are going on. Sure. Uh, it, you know, that's that's what he talked about. And I scolded people who said, I'm not going to watch. You know, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I tried to talk people down and say, no, well, as a citizen, you really kind of have a duty to do that, even yeah. though we all agree on you know who we're listening to, but in case he declares a, an emergency or martial law or something, uh, you, you might want to tune in for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to make that lecture to people this time. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, in many ways, I hope uh, 
I, I hope a lot of people don't watch. Many will, and and you and I among them, uh, and will be there to report. But I'm just saying, I understand at this point yeah. if you just can't take it anymore, and especially a State of the Union address, which is painful even with a president you like. Right. You know, uh, th- this just makes it exponentially worse if you hate the guy, and clearly uh, 60% of America does. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? We're happy to do the hard work of actually watching this goddamn thing and report back to the people who decide not to watch it. Well, and I, you I know, wouldn't I'm support- say, What's I wouldn't say happy. I wouldn't yeah. say happy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that is actually a very good point. Yeah, we'll do uh, it. We'll yeah. do it. Yeah. And one of the things I think uh, is rumored to be mentioned tonight is Donald Trump plans to announce an effort to cure AIDS during his uh, State of the Union tonight, which is kind of out of nowhere. And I'll tell you where yeah. this where yeah. this more or less comes from. Remember that episode of the West Wing where President Bartlett is embattled, his poll numbers are low, he's just announced that he has MS and deceived the public about it. And so he's desperate to recover from that and turn his approval ratings around. So he decides to throw the idea out there. Well, in the State of the Union, we're going to announce a cure for cancer in 10 years. We're going to do this. And it, it right. wasn't based on any actual realistic view of uh, of a potential cancer cure it was merely done to improve you know approval ratings to, to have a good state right. of the union address and right. that may be right. why trump is doing this but the other thing about this aids announcement that he plans to uh, present tonight is they are damn close to a cure already and i'm not saying that's that's cause to become complacent but what i'm saying no. is yeah, donald trump yeah what donald trump is doing here much like with the economy and and mm-hmm. the successes of the barack obama administration he right. intends to uh, like park himself on this effort and then take full credit when it kind of reaches its full extent when there finally sure. is an across-the-board cure. So, sure, it's like waking everybody up early in the morning and standing on a, a mountaintop with a robe and yeah. announcing that the sun is about to come up. And then, <laughs> exactly and, right. And then, and then it does. Yes, how about that? <laughs> so, Whoa, hey, how about everyone that? Everyone cheers, yeah. rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, it's well, and this is uh, another case where Donald Trump is planting himself on third base and saying that he hit a triple. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about that. Sorry for the uh, the sports metaphor, but it's actually a really good way to describe how Trump is uh, operating and not just when it comes to the economy, not just in terms of how he's uh, 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 doing this AIDS thing tonight. But, you know, just about everything he does, he's taking credit for the successes of other people. I mean, every oh, yeah, e- economic indicator, you can't... I mean, if there was a turn or a change in how the economy was doing, then you could say, well, uh, I guess there was something there. I guess Trump did something either bad to make it uh, worse or uh-huh. to turn it into something that's even better. But none of that has happened. It's just been the continuation of Obama's policies, and this is what he does. Right. Yeah. yeah just Takes to, credit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we were talking about executive time a second ago, Buzz, and uh-huh. I have this, uh, get your views on this here in a second, but, you know, <laughs> he spends about 60% of his time yelling at his television and eating hamburgers and, and doing a, calling his pals and things like that. And you know what? Ultimately, this is a bad thing for Donald Trump as far as this personal schedule, this series of documents being dumped by someone inside the White House, by the way. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. Right. I think uh, it's actually great news for America. The more time he's playing golf, the more time he's just yelling at his television, 
the better off America is. I mean, keep him away as far away as we can from actual, you know, government. You know, we don't want him meddling yeah. in actual well, things, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a mixed blessing at best. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, what we need is a president who reads like we used to have, a Republican and Democrat. Right. Uh, he doesn't read. He watches TV. Uh, <laughs> he does have, he does, what I understand he also does, much like in Trump Tower, he wanders around from office to office. <laughs> it says on the schedule, yeah. and we can talk about the release of that too, but it says on the schedule <laughs> that he, you know, he, he has this executive time and uh, White House aides told Axios, uh, which broke this story thanks to that White House leak. Yeah, uh, they were told by White House aides that uh, Trump likes to wander around, you know, from desk to desk, office to office, uh, uh, shoot the breeze with people, uh, and uh, you know, just say, "Hey, well, what's going on? What do I need to know?" Uh, that sort of thing. And and uh, and he does have meetings inside this executive time that we think he's just watching TV and tweeting and wandering around. Yeah, uh, he does have, but he has these are unscheduled private meetings mm. uh, that are often held, according to White House aides, so that other people who work in the West Wing won't know that the meeting is being held. <laughs> so it's yeah. a it's a good place to hold, uh, you know, meetings that he wants to keep secret from his own staff. Yeah, yeah. And there are lots of things he needs to keep secret that really no, no one else would consider to be secretive. He's just so desperately paranoid that I'm sure he's thinking that uh, if this involves well, any actual staff members, they're going to leak the details of of this but it's really you know they're talking about the real housewives i'm sure <laughs> i mean it's just it's all like evaluating oh, yeah. uh yeah. Cable, cable news uh women like oh yeah that blonde on fox news channel i give her a <laughs> yeah, seven probably. that's the kind of meetings he's taking i'm sure uh as much as they want to portray it as being uh some sort of official uh, you know what quite honestly this is probably when he's talking to vladimir putin and uh, and having uh, off the record be. calls with and, him, and that's and that's the other thing. That's yeah. a, there you nailed it with the phrase "off the record" because yeah. that's what's occurring. Uh, also, in addition to just goofing around watching TV, uh, instead of reading briefs and meeting with advisors and listening to experts, hey, he doesn't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he would rather be this sort of freewheeling guy. And and uh, the statement from him, uh, well, in his ghost-written book, "The Art of the Deal," uh, he he says that he he likes that unstructured environment because he thinks it it spawns creativity <laughs> and and so and you you got to hand it to him he's certainly been creative uh -huh. not not yeah. in a good way but it's definitely creative and and uh, this is just the style that he prefers uh there are two important things i think about this axio story yeah. uh revealing the president's uh, lazy ass schedule uh, <laughs> one is that he is a lard ass and uh 60% of the day that we're paying him to be president he's uh, doing uh, non-presidential things yeah. that that he only buckles down to work at best uh, 40 percent of the time yeah and and uh, this is unprecedented uh the, the only president to even come close to that and yet he doesn't come close at all was bill clinton mm -hmm. uh both uh w bush and obama were highly highly disciplined starting their days very early and reading yeah. into the night remember when we had president 
presidents who read, believe it or not, as dumb as we thought he was, George W. Bush read voraciously. Mm-hmm. He read he read intelligence briefs. He read the news. He read the newspapers when he got up in the morning. He, uh, several of them. He uh, read intelligence briefings. This one it doesn't do either one of those things. No. He he, he read uh, books at at night in bed before he went to sleep, and uh, in the evening Obama would would be in. I, I guess it was Bush W would uh, be in the treaty room reading uh, uh, intelligence briefs. Yeah. Uh, these guys were both, uh, regardless of ideology, dedicated public servants. Uh, we got this goof off instead. So that's the first. <laughs> that's the first reveal of mm. the Axios story. The other one is, as you also indicated, someone in the White House thought it, or some ones thought it so important that the American people know. Uh, what a goof off this president is <laughs> yes. that, that they needed to leak this. And this is a, a little dangerous because it includes the times of his motorcades over to the Supreme Court and where mm-hmm. he's going to be at any given time. Generally, uh, just because it says he's going to be in the Oval Office, it really means he's wandering around. But uh, otherwise, the, that schedule published or released to the, the press gives uh, an adversary a very clear idea of where the president can be found at any given time, which is a risk not only to him, uh, but also, in a way, to the nation. Yeah, and you know, I want to go back to what you said about George W. Bush and his reading habits. One of the stories right. I remember, and let's not, let's not give him too much credit, because I remember this story specifically where he had, uh, I think it was a reporter <laughs> from Germany, he was uh, touring the Oval Office with this reporter from Germany, right. and, uh, and George W. Bush uh, takes the reporter up to the portrait of, the famous portrait of George Washington, you know, the unfinished uh, a painting right. of, of George Washington. And he said, you know what's interesting about George Washington? I, I read three books about George Washington. That that was yeah. his interesting factoid about George well, Washington, I, I, that he read three books. Him. Yeah, I didn't say comprehension. I said reading. Yeah, I didn't say reading and comprehension. <laughs> That's true. This, this president doesn't do either. Yeah. Uh, at least Bush tried, bless his heart, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. And you know what? I, I imagine with his executive time, too. And, and yes, I'm going to go there. I think given Donald Trump's uh, diet, I think a lot of Donald Trump's executive time is is actually toity time because i mean my god i mean how can you be that guy with the big macs and the arby's and the kfc and being you know 70 what almost 73 years old i'm i'm thinking he's spending a lot of elvis time in the bathroom you know what i mean just yeah just could be yeah just straining and you're trying you know i'm just i'm not gonna go too much detail here but i imagine (laughs) that's that's a big part of it but you know actually you're kind of right i mean it's it's probably not a good idea for enemies of the United States to know generally where in the White House the president is currently staked out. So we know that um, while it says in this uh, schedule that the president is in the Oval Office, because it says location colon Oval Office, and the co- right. I didn't say colon because of the toity joke, uh, right. but this is in location nice Oval Office. Um, apparently, though, he's not always in the Oval Office for executive time. A lot of time he's up in the residence. So they, I think they made yes. that clear in these uh, in these schedules. But it turns out that so much, I mean, I love this Axios piece and the way they lay it all out because they've got uh, charts, like color-coded charts yes, of, I saw of them. every day for, to correspond with the schedules. And the orange, I love how they used orange, too. I thought that was interesting also, yes. I noticed (laughs) that. Yes, orange is blocked out as being the executive time. Well, if you look at it uh, at a glance, 
You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost all executive time. In fact, uh, let's see, November 23rd, all executive time. Uh, that was, of course, around the holidays. Or December 5th. I mean, it looks like there was executive time up until about 10 a.m., maybe 10.15. And then it started all over again at about 1 p.m. and lasted through the end of the day. One day, November 8th, stands out in my mind as a day that he had five scheduled executive times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously he had other activities that interrupted <laughs> what would normally have only been two or three uh, executive times. And, of course, you sometimes you have to break from executive time for lunch and then go back to executive time. This is how uh, incredibly grueling his schedule is. Yeah, so grueling, isn't it? You know, he's the hardest working guy. And this is the thing that's what's uh, positive about the leak of this document or the series of documents is mm-hmm. that for a while now we've been hearing Trump supporters screaming about how how hardworking Donald Trump is, how, you know, this guy is is sacrificing and doing all this hard work for the good so of the country. So smart. Yeah, I mean, he's doing, <laughs> I mean, suddenly, like you were saying, it makes George W. Bush seem like, you know, this workhorse who just wouldn't stop this machine. He he, yeah, I think he tried, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, 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 he really wasn't, I mean, apart <laughs> from... couldn't. Yeah, I mean, comparatively... <laughs> But, you know, the thing that we always look for in the presidency, and this is something that goes back to study after study, and like it goes back to the beginning of the republic. Um, The American people like to believe that the president of the United States is sitting up in the Oval Office 24 hours a day worrying about how to improve the country, how to right. do things positively for listening the nation. To, yeah, listening to advisors, reading yeah. uh, reading newspapers, reading uh, uh, intelligence briefings, yep. uh, uh, talking to people, uh, bouncing ideas back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, negotiating with Congress, uh, <laughs> making uh, the necessary uh, diplomatic steps in terms of phone calls to other nations' leaders and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, th- that's how we picture a president spending their day. No, Trump's wandering around, <laughs> wandering around the West Wing. Yeah, he's wandering around. What is he talking to paintings, uh, uh, putting whoopee cushions on people's seats? You know, the usual Trump type things. But mm-hmm. uh, but this, I think, this story goes uh, hand in hand with this other bombshell that came down just around the same time uh, to correspond with this Axios piece. The Time Magazine mm-hmm. came up with a. Uh, a, a pretty informative and terrifying uh, story uh, over the weekend, and it had to do with Trump and his uh, national security briefers who are desperate. And this actually links up also to the testimony that we heard last week from Gina Haspel and Dan Coats about uh, all the things that the intelligence community disagrees with Trump about. Right. And so, uh, and then we saw the, the letter from Chuck Schumer to, uh, to Dan Coats to educate Donald Trump about what's really happening in the world. But I mean, it's, it's actually kind of frightening in this Time Magazine piece how the intelligence officials are saying that Trump is willfully ignorant when presented with an analysis generated by this $81 billion a year, you know, intelligence community. Uh, These officials who include uh, analysts who prepare Trump's briefs and the briefers themselves describe futile attempts to keep his attention by using visual aids, confining some briefing points to two or three sentences, which always works great, you know, in complicated situations like the Middle East, and uh, repeating his name and title as frequently as possible. It's like, you know, it's like we it's it's how we treat our dogs and our cats. You know what I mean? Before at at some of these world summits, NATO and other uh, organizations of world leaders, 
early in the Trump administration, they coached one another. Yeah. Our our allies and other members of these groups coached one another on how to deal with Trump. And it, it contained many of those same uh those same tips uh that were that were mentioned there. Uh at one White House aide I think told let me see yeah, told Axios that uh, uh Trump will read the intelligence briefing, quote but only if you talk and guide him through it as <laughs> as he's reading. Uh, I see. Oh God, that's horrifying. Now, see, this he, is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I again, I'm conflicted because on one hand, it's important for the president to be able to absorb these things, so he's not <laughs> making decisions that impact the world, for God's right, sake, right. based on hocus pocus he's hearing from the Department of Fox <laughs> and Friends and Secretaries Ducey and Kilmeade. Instead, he should be listening to his intelligence officials, so he is at least somewhat engaged. But at the same time, if he's engaged with actual problems, then there's still the potential for him to come up with horrendous solutions to these actual problems. So I don't know sure. if it's better that he's existing in this fantasy world of Fox and Friends and Lou Dobbs, or if it's you know better that he actually pays attention. But I think I'm leaning toward actually paying attention to facts, and that's what's so crucial. Right. I mean, for God's sake, Buzz, do you see the piece, the part of the, the, the Time Magazine piece in which they're talking about North Korea, and they actually had to build a scale model <laughs> of the nuclear facility facility in North Korea as best as they could assemble it. And then they had to make a scale model of the Statue of Liberty in order to give Donald Trump a sense of scale. So, so look, right. here's your, your Statue of Liberty action figure to go with your scale model <laughs> of Kim Jong-un's nuclear facility. And so this is actual shit that they have to do. And in fact, when uh, he's given information that contradicts his positions that he gets right. from Fox and Friends, right? Uh, he he two intelligence officers even reported that they have been warned to avoid giving the president intelligence assessments that contradict all of those stances that he takes in public. So right. they're actually, I, I think, partial blame <laughs> has to go to the briefers, don't you think? I mean, don't you think that they well, have a responsibility, despite his behavior, to give him the information that he needs as president? Though, let's take, for example, I, you know, sort of an almost an analogy here. Uh, the intelligence chiefs who testified last week uh, yeah. uh, about the threats against the U.S. and in their assessment, their annual assessment, they contradicted virtually all of Trump's foreign policy stands even the thing about the wall i mean they they were asked is the is the southern border a crisis and they said no uh they contradicted him on you know all the other things iran and north korea and so on yeah uh and yet they why do they keep their jobs well i think we can be very grateful that they do and in the same way i think we can be very grateful that these briefers are doing the best they can to present this information to Trump and hope that he and try to help him figure it out for himself. Uh, you know, it, it's an old technique. I'm sure you've heard it discussed before. Make them think it was their idea. Yeah. And 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 that is the challenge, uh, unfortunately, for our briefers is to do the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And at least they hang in there and at least they're still trying and they are still trying. They, they tell us uh, as recently as yesterday that we're still trying uh, to get this stuff through to him. But, yeah, you have to be careful or he'll throw you out. Yeah, you know, if it hadn't been for Ralph Northam and that story, this yeah. would have been, because there's 
There are a series of adjoining stories to all of this, and this also has to do with some of the things he said on Face the Nation in in response not only to uh, the reporting on the intelligence community, but also with regard to Mueller and so on. So all these things together, whether it's all of the events that took place last week surrounding the the disconnect between the intelligence community and Donald Trump, or whether it's this uh, Time Magazine piece or the Face the Nation interview, it all shows a president who's terribly, terribly out of touch, who's... Exactly what I've been saying for weeks now, which is that Donald Trump is disconnected from reality. He no longer yeah. has any grasp of what's real and what's hocus pocus from Fox News Channel. And and that scares Republicans in Congress, yeah. in especially in foreign policy terms. Mm. Uh, foreign policy, national security, that's always been their thing. You yeah, know, that's what that's what Republicans were all about. That's what they, they you know, that was that was their thing. Mm. We're we'll be in charge of the military. We'll take we'll fix the military. We'll fix national security. Security. Yeah, we'll take care of you. We'll let us handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Democrats don't didn't have that reputation, uh, and and for Trump to upend that is extremely disturbing to Mitch McConnell and and many others. And so cracks are are forming. Uh, will you know? So far, their uh, loyalty to Trump has been nearly complete, except for uh, what are now a half dozen different foreign policy decisions that he's made. There's a crack there. There's a split there. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, there's a growing disillusionment with Trump. I I understand the Republicans are now talking about a 2020 ticket of Ralph Northam and Liam Neeson (laughs) instead of Trump. So we'll see. There's our joint session of Congress giving us a round of applause again. Thank you. Go a different way there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, after a briefing in preparation for a meeting with uh, Theresa May, uh, for Mm -hmm. example, subject turned to the uh, British Indian Ocean Territory of Diego Garcia. I can only imagine what he was thinking when they said Diego Garcia. Uh, the island is home to an important air base uh, and a U.S. Right. naval support facility. There's Central America's ability to project power in the region, including the war in <laughs> Afghanistan. The president, officials familiar with the briefing, said, asked two questions. Are, are the people nice? And are the beaches good? Oh, my God. Oh, yes. There's one for the beaches. Um, I, I laughed all the way through that because I knew the punchline that was coming. And are the, are the beaches I just, I, good? I couldn't, I couldn't wait for, are the people nice? Are the beaches good? Yes. Uh, again, you're talking to a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, absolutely. He's coming up with whatever questions he can find in his worm-ridden brain because it, you know, the only thing he can really relate to is the idea of buying property to build uh, eyesores and awful hotels. <laughs> and right. so, you know, so yeah, so here's his... Mean, that's, yeah, that's what he was thinking. Yeah, a Trump, what would be like a Trump International Diego Garcia, something like that. You know, <laughs> I like the sound of the name. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah, exactly yeah. right. But uh, I would have mentioned a couple of interesting quotes from this uh, Face the Nation interview, too, because this is, as I said, this all goes hand in hand, connecting uh, up together to uh, paint Donald Trump as being completely out of touch. And there's just a, a couple of actual questions I have with regard to what the fuck he happened to be talking about in this interview. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, but before we dig into that, I want to talk about, uh, the, in fact, the very best way to support this podcast, the best way to support The Bob Seska Show, is to subscribe to our bonus content on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash join slash Bob Seska Show. Or you can just click the all caps Patreon link under the logo at bobseska.com. Once you're there, you can sign up for $1, $5, $10, or $15 per month. And depending on your subscription amount, we'll give you hours and hours of weekly bonus content 
content, including our post-mortem show, recorded right after the end of the credits uh, on our Tuesdays and Thursdays show. We just keep on talking after the end music plays, uh, along with our Friday After Party podcast and the 90-minute Ultimate Edition of this show without commercials. We're also posting all kinds of free content on our Patreon page, including our Wednesday interview show with people like Malcolm Nance, Tony Atamanik, Jillian Barbary, Stephen Weber, and the Frangela duo. Uh, last week, we talked to Jen Senko. She was the director of Brainwashing of My Dad. You want to listen to that interview the week before that. We talked to uh, Josh Mills about Ernie Kovacs on his 100th birthday. So you want to go listen uh, to all of that stuff on our Patreon page. Again, that's patreon.com slash join slash Bob Seska show, or just click the all caps Patreon link at bobseska.com. It'll take you right to the same place. And we thank you in advance. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. All right, here we are. It's our Tuesday show. Thank you for being here today. We really appreciate you listening, huh? Also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and all that crap, too. So. Uh, okay, so Trump was on Face the Nation Buzz over the weekend. Did a lengthy interview, uh, fully uh, hepped up on Adderall or whatever the hell he's taken. <laughs> by the way, we have Ronnie Jackson news later in the show. Yes, uh, I, yeah. Speaking of Adderall, but uh, here are a couple Back. of, I mean, there were so many odd things that he said, of course, because it's always the same bullshit over and over again. He can't, can't stop repeating himself and uh, and just blurting ridiculous things and word salad and all the rest That's of it. how you sell a lie. I keep telling it. Exactly right. But I mean, here were the two quotes that uh, made me scratch my head because these were just out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, on one hand, I want to say gaffes, but on the other hand, maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's just, you know, you're goddamn right I ordered the code red. Maybe he's just blurting the truth. So here he said, uh, at one point, they're talking about um, Iran and the intelligence assessments from his uh, uh, intelligence community. And he said, I'm going to trust the intelligence that I'm putting there. Uh Hmm, I don't know what that means. But I will say this. My intelligence people, if they said, in fact, that Iran is a wonderful kindergarten, I disagree with them 100%. I don't know what that means. No, it it's doesn't make any sense. I, 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 think, I think Trump supporters do understand, and I, I think <laughs> I actually uh, can now decode that. Okay, please, uh, give, please. Give me, that, give me that first line again, please. I'm going to trust the intelligence that I'm putting there. Okay, stop. I think what he means is, uh, I'm going to trust my <laughs> intelligence chiefs. I, I believe the interpretation of that, uh, very poorly said, is I'm going to trust my intelligence chiefs. He's okay. not finished. He continues. What does he say next? They said, but I will say this, my intelligence people, if they said, in fact, that Iran is a wonderful kindergarten. Uh-huh. I, I have no idea what that is. What what okay. does kindergarten have to do with any I'll, of this shit? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. Well, uh, what All he's right. saying is if, if his intelligence chief uh, speak nonsense or, or <laughs> you know, speak that which is not true, he's assuming that that's a possibility when, in fact, it's not. But no, he's I saying see. if they were to speak nonsense, uh, he would not listen to them. So he trusts them unless they talk crazy. So I think the interpretation, and I think what his supporters get out of that is he trusts them so long as they're not crazy crazy and on these and on these are wrong and on these things he believes they're wrong yeah well you know what i say i say this shut 
the fuck up. Shut oh, sure. all the way the yes. fuck up until you reach the top of Shut Fuck Mountain where there are no more fuck ups to shut. Exactly. God damn it. Grace and Frankie. Yeah. I love the new season of Grace and Frankie, by the way. I can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way to shut him up, the way mm. to make all of this stop. You know, just know this, uh, all of my friends, know that uh, tonight's State of the Union speech, mm -hmm. uh, all this business about shutdowns and emergency declarations and the wall, this is all just a show. It's distraction. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are important issues there and mm -hmm. issues we need to deal with, but yeah. that's not why it's top of the pops. You right. know, that's not why it's that's not why it's headline news. Nope. What's really going on is uh, we have a president who's under criminal counterintelligence investigation mm -hmm. as, as his his campaign uh, committee. His uh, inaugural, his, his inaugural committee, mm -hmm. his transition, and his presidency, <laughs> all under criminal and counterintelligence investigations. The FBI investigating him for being an agent of Russia. Uh, does anything else matter beyond that? And will anything else get him to shut the fuck up sooner <laughs> yeah. th than to remove him? Right, right. And that's the only possibility whatsoever because he's right. never going to shut the fuck up. He will right. never shut up. Yeah, he never shut will. Shut yeah. the hell up. It's, shut up. It, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Yes, yes. That'll be most of America watching the State of the Union tonight. If we didn't have enough reason to remove him, add that to the pile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how about this one from the Face the Nation interview, Buzz? Um, mm -hmm. I don't get this. I don't understand what this is either. Okay, he maybe said, I can interpret again. At one point he said, even the Mueller report said it uh -huh. had nothing to do with the campaign. Even the Mueller report, there is no Mueller <laughs> report. Right, right. What is he talking about? Is he talking about I mean, an actual report? That is he talking about his own Mueller report? Because remember, he was going to write his own Mueller report. Right, no. Um, I, I don't know what this is. Maybe he's talking about the Mueller special counsel's office. I, I don't know what he meant to say. Maybe the, he meant to say something else in lieu of report there. I don't know. If you if you were to snatch the average blue collar worker anywhere in America uh, and and ask them uh, that sort of question, you would get that sort of answer. <laughs> it's a, he 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 didn't mean to say Mueller report. He meant to say uh, the FBI or federal investigators or something yeah. else because <laughs> the last he heard from them that was the case. But he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he, he is obviously out of touch with reality. Yep. And, uh, you know, so he doesn't he doesn't see that uh, that the rest of us do. Well, here's one of the things that he did mention in the Face of the Nation interview that I thought was really compelling and interesting. He's he knows nothing about what's going on in the uh, Southern District of New York and that investigation there, because, he you know, she also asked him about SDNY. And he was like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it seems like right. yeah. he's either unwilling to talk about SDNY or he is kind of really out of touch because there's no politics there. He hasn't engaged in an ongoing uh, a disinformation campaign about SDNY. I think he's been blindsided by that and so therefore it may be even too harrowing 
for him to pay attention to because he knows that that may be where he is actually brought down. That may end up being I don't a more know. serious yeah. one, right? I, I don't know what his lawyers are telling him. I, I, I think his only awareness, uh, and again, he may have been told these things but just didn't absorb them, yeah. uh, but his own awareness I think is pretty limited to the Mueller investigation. Right. And for him, it's all about that. He thinks that is the make or break a point for him, and it mm-hmm. uh, certainly could be, but uh, there are state lawsuits against him and and federal investigations of him and yeah. uh, state investigation. I mean, uh, the, the investigations, like I said, at every level, pre-campaign, the campaign, the transition, mm-hmm. the inaugural committee, and the presidency itself of yeah. Donald Trump, all of those things are under investigation, and that investigation, uh, judging from the subpoenas issued to the inaugural committee, who who's ever heard of an inaugural committee being investigated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got, and that's because they smell something rotten there, mm-hmm. uh, and and rightly so. There may be foreign money there, and they got they got if they get everything they're supposed to get under these subpoenas, they've got everything on where the money came from where the donors got their money to donate, all the vendors, all the, I mean, uh, we're going to find out, or they're going to find out at least, and perhaps we will too, uh, just what went on with this uh, inauguration that was in many ways half as big as Obama's, but raised twice as much money. Yeah. $107 million. And we got the subpoena handed down from SDNY to collect all these documents from the inaugural committee. and. Right. I'm wondering, and and this is maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, but it seems like the inaugural committee was used as a money laundering front. I, I'm just right. saying. I mean, I, I don't know. know for sure. You're not. You're not. No, you do. You can know that. I mean, uh, you can know that reasonably. Yeah. Yeah. As it, sources uh, say that uh, this is exactly what the investigators are looking at. They're looking at two things: uh, money laundering and, and I don't think you can put this in bold enough all caps. Election fraud. Yeah, yeah. So these are the two things that are being investigated by mm-hmm. um, the Federal elec- Elections Commission. Yep. By I, I had a beverage and now my mouth is watering. <laughs> by the federal the Federal Elections Commission, uh, the House Intelligence Committee, which uh-huh. is now under Democratic control, and two committees in the Senate, which is under Republican control. Yep. And cracks are starting to show in the Senate. You got Chuck Grassley uh, saying uh, this past week, uh, introducing a bill to uh, require that the Mueller report be made public. Yeah, a great thing, great news there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really relieved to see things like that occur. But encouraging, go- very encouraging. Absolutely. But going back to this inaugural thing, it uh-huh. seems like the pattern could go like this. It seems like what's happening with the inaugural committee is all of this money was pumped in. Hardly mm-hmm. any of it was used based on the size and scope of the actual inauguration versus the colossal and record-breaking amount of money that was collected. Now, right. wasn't the reporting a while back, Buzz, didn't the report have something to do with Donald Trump and and the Trump organization, or maybe Donald Trump himself being able to just pocket whatever money they don't use from the inaugural committee? Is that an actual thing? I I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what the law is on that. I know that uh, there isn't a lot of law that covers that. And I don't think investigators 
care about that so much as they care about uh, what money may have come from foreign powers mm-hmm. th- that was funneled through others uh, by foreign powers uh, and what favors were granted or expected in the various bartering that went on yep. with vendors and that sort of thing. Uh, what did donors get out of their donation? Uh, who, who got who ultimately got tickets to the event uh, despite who the donors were? Uh, these are all the th- I mean, they're looking at every little detail from this and they are looking specifically for uh, money laundering and election fraud. Yeah, well, that, that could have been a convenient way. The inaugural committee could have been a convenient way for Donald Trump to receive pay for play payments right so right, right. okay uh, uae okay saudi arabia right, you want exactly. me to deliver you favorable policies as the president P- give and some money did. to yeah you give some yeah. money to the inaugural committee and then i'll take whatever's left over and pocket that but i'll give you positive uh, policy initiatives that will help your whatever uh you exactly know. and and to to that end, uh, you know, the, the subpoena says we need uh, documents uh, pertaining to uh, the money going in, the money, uh, the money coming in, the money going out and uh, other activities mm-hmm. of and those activities include uh, breakfasts at which uh, other world leaders, or leaders of foreign countries, uh, Arab countries uh, could join uh, leaders of the Trump inaugural committee. Uh, to just have some breakfast and chat off-site yeah. uh, prior to the actual event, uh, to the inauguration itself. And that's just part of it. I mean, this is a wide-ranging thing, but this is a big deal, and it represents uh, an expansion of the investigation now into the inaugural committee. <laughs> this uh, this cancer now invades all parts of that body. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, the, the going's, the going's going to get it rough here. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, ultimately what I want to see come out of this is obvious legal jeopardy for Donald Trump. Trump himself, well, sure, if not Donald sure. Trump and his kids, his asshole kids. But I mean, my concern is that it's going to end up being nothing but, you know, oh, some foreigners, some foreign entities illegally donated to the committee. So, oh, well, you got to give that money back or something like that. No, and, no, no. It won't be that easy. That's a serious freaking crime. You yeah. can't in, in American politics, you cannot accept foreign money, period. That is a, a serious, serious offense uh, and uh, will not be tolerated. I mean, remember, yeah. there was a thing with Barack and Donald Trump always reminds us of this, where the Obama campaign, I believe it was either 2008 or 2012, uh, accepted a mm-hmm. one foreign donation, and but the Obama campaign discovered it and actually re- discovered it themselves, reported it to the FCC, paid turned a small, in. turned themselves uh-huh. in, paid a small fine, and then the, then it went away. Where because in this they case, were honest, yeah. yes, obviously, yeah, exactly. And with with Trump, obviously, they're trying to hide all of this shit, which makes right, it right. adds another layer of a cover up on top of something that you know in normal circumstances might be a glitch. Like for example, they could say, well. You know, we're the inaugural committee. We didn't realize that these payments came in from uh, the UAE, for example. Uh, We just saw the name of the straw donor, and we didn't realize it was being donated from the royal family in Saudi Arabia. They were using a straw donor. So so we didn't know. Oops. You know, and then suddenly everyone goes, well, okay, I guess that's not a big deal. But now that the Southern District of New York, and by the way, specifically, this is the Government Corruption Division of the Southern (laughs) District of New York. Now that they have their hands on the emails associated with these transactions, Mm -hmm. and uh, they have their hands on the calendars 
associated with these transactions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they, 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 was this was all, and remember, this is all made possible by Michael Cohen. Yep. Michael Cohen turned them on to all this, and uh, he, because he has flipped for the feds. And don't forget that uh, Alan Weaselberg, or whatever his name is, <laughs> Trump's financial advisor. <laughs> He flipped also. So Trump's lawyer at the time and financial advisor, uh, they belong to Mueller now and to the feds. And uh, they're telling them everything they can to try to stay out of prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so uh, and that's what led to this story. And that's so the feds are going to find all kinds of details here that substantiate the commission of some serious crimes. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Sarah Sanders uh, said that this has nothing to do with the White House. So basically they're doing a well, the inaugural well, sure. inaugural yeah. committee was just getting us coffee. I mean, really nothing to do with the yeah, actual typical. Yeah, yeah, the actual Trump campaign. So yeah, yeah. And, and that's the sort of thing you don't pay attention to. That's just and and I just want to like to. I think it will help people to know. I think there's a lot of this you can easily dismiss as noise. Focus yeah. on. Focus on just how. Are you, are you bicycling right now? <laughs> no, no. Well, I have a bicycle. I'm getting a junk call. It's that call I've been expecting. It's okay. that call I've been expecting from Colorado Springs, and uh, I the the ringer on my phone, yes, is a is the sound of a bike bell. <laughs> That's so cute. That's <laughs> so you. sweet, isn't it? Uh, I think it's yeah. so pleasant. Um, okay, well, you know what? We're going to take uh, one last break here. When we come back, we got to dig into uh, Ralph Northam and Justin Fairfax, and I smell bullshit. I smell my bullshit alarm is going off, and we'll get into by, that. What's by that? the way, yeah. I just want to say this portion of today's Bob Seska show is sponsored by Roger Stone's Hat of the Month Club. <laughs> if, if you're a pinhead who wants the world to know you're as crazy as a Batman villain, sign up for Roger Stone's Hat of the Month and remember to use the code J A I L. All right, I I approve, approve. <laughs> All right, uh, one last break. Back right after <laughs> these words. Well, it looks like that wicked winter air is setting in. And you know how washing up in winter can leave your hands drier and Rick Perry's hooses on a Saturday night. Well, friend, fret no more. Whip your dry skin into shape with whoop-ass hand balm from Bubble Genius. Them good folks over at Bubble Genius have loaded up their whoop-ass with a whole mess of nature's goodies. Like genuine shea butter and sweet almond oil, citrus extracts, and sage, which are wonderful for healing and fixing your skin right up. This here ain't no sissy hand balm. This here's some serious stuff. So if long days out on the range are leaving your skin tighter than socks on a rooster, then it sure is time to open a can of whoop-ass. By the by, this stuff's great on rough elbows and knees, too. Hear that, Mitch McConnell? Check out the entire line of whoop-ass products, including body whip and soap, at BubbleGenius.com. Bubble Genius. Y'all suds up now, you hear? Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, so uh, Ralph Northam is a goddamn idiot, and uh, and Justin Fairfax is not. Right. That's that's my uh, encapsulated Cliff Notes version of what we're about to talk about. That's my read on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's where Ralph Northam originally went wrong. This is why I think, uh, primarily why I think Ralph Northam is an idiot. 
Well, I mean, and, and we, I think we have to establish first that all of this, all of it, comes from a right-wing media site. Yes, yes. That's, it initiated the thing against Democrat Northam, and it's initiated the thing against uh, his running mate. So right, now, obviously. The man who succeed him. Well, let's start with the abortion thing, okay? Because Ralph yeah, Northam, and yeah, this is where yeah. Ralph Northam is an idiot. I mean, you learn right. in Politics 101 how to talk about abortion, for God's sake. If you're a or professional not, politician yeah. at the governor's level, you should have a pretty firm grasp in terms of how to discuss the abortion issue. Ralph Northam, who is a doctor, should know way better than most how to discuss this. But what he said was stupid, stupid, stupid. And I know he didn't mean what he said. And I know it was a gaffe, but it was still stupid anyway. And there's no excuse for a professional politician to lapse into this kind of ridiculous gaffe. Where basically because, said, because his scrubs were blue, they assumed he was a Democrat. Yeah, right. And that's how how he ended up in this job. Exactly. And what happened was he said something about late-term abortion where if there's right. a late-term abortion and the the baby survives outside after it's been birthed, then uh-huh. then the parent and the doctor can talk about whether to kill that that birth baby it's just it's absolutely disturbing and weird and not all not at all grounded in fact i don't know what right. he was getting at but it seemed like a really dumb way to talk about something that's already uh, a third rail. I mean, you talk about late-term abortion, it's always controversial, and it's always discussed by people who have zero sense of what the science is all about, what the biology is all about. And if you want to you know the real story when it comes to late-term abortion, go follow Leah Torres on Twitter. Leah Torres is a OBGYN. She was on the interview show a couple of weeks ago. Right. You want to listen to that interview show, too, on our Patreon page, where she lays it all out, what these things are and why they're done. And it's not because of some frivolous reason late-term abortions are serious issues involving complications with the pregnancy catastrophic birth defects threats to the mother's life these are not things that are that are done uh, electively by choice by any sort of frivolity nothing is involved along those lines in a late-term abortion ralph northam doesn't know how to talk about this and so he lapsed into, into that, and then right on the heels of that, out comes yeah. this yearbook photo in which we also find out that he's a goddamn racist on top of being an idiot. Jesus Christ, this is something that the Democratic Party, especially uh, the DNC, should have had in their self-opposition research into every single one, especially, again, at the governor's level. We're not talking about some state, some uh, low-level state assembly person or something like that. We're talking about the governor of Virginia, for God's sake, and the fact that they didn't have this racist photo somewhere in their archive uh, prior to nominating Northam to run for uh, governor of the general election is a uh, a colossal fuck up on behalf of the it DNC is. at a time that we really can't afford that. Uh, no. this is this is a time to show America that uh, people in politics can be smart. And and my my joke about the blue scrubs is simply the fact that you know he was a Democrat. That's how he got elected. Right. Uh, we we found out he's not the sort of Democrat we expect. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and he has handled every aspect of this incorrectly. But and and I can't I know I'm skipping ahead here, but I I want to really emphasize the fact that uh, the the revelation uh, about his lieutenant governor 
uh, this accusation, not a revelation, this accusation uh, came, I think, when this conservative media site said, oh, crap, we've just elevated a black guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when they realized they'd knocked Northam out of the way uh, for all intents and purposes, they were like, oh, God, look who's up now. And so they had to go after him. In mm-hmm. the case, they're obviously uh, extremely weak. Yeah, this is barely, this information about Justin Fairfax is barely a notch above what J- Jacob Wall and that other guy with his fly down were saying about right. Robert Mueller. That's about at the same right. range. We're talking about one person um, we're we're talking about uh, no corroboration to that story. Up this until- one person, this one person won't come forward. Hasn't come forward. Yeah. Uh, so they're uh, one anonymous accuser allegedly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he knows exactly who it is and has owned up to it and say, yeah, we we knocked boots, uh, yeah. but she was all in. Right. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I case closed unless we hear from her. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, I mean, again, it's smokescreen to defend Donald Trump. That's what this is all about. Because what, we've, what we're seeing, obviously, is a president who's increasingly out to fucking lunch. He's disconnected uh-huh. from uh, empirical reality. He has no sense of what's going on around him. Right. Um, and so we have and, several examples of that uh, popping up late last week after a series of losses losing the the shutdown nancy pelosi eating his lunch on that and then just uh, declining poll numbers and so on so yeah suddenly this uh, appears and uh, Uh, conspicuously so the Democrats are supposed to come riding in with the smart guy at this point, <laughs> yeah. and we come riding in with this guy. Right. Uh, you know, that's uh, so. Um, talk about helping people completely lose their faith in politics and government. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing that does that. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of all of that, they're able to wind in a bit of uh, gaslighting in all of this because now we see Trump Jr., we see Donald Trump himself, you, you know, pretending as if they're holier than thou, you know, being sanctimonious uh, when they have no cause whatsoever to be sanctimonious, whether it's about race or whether it's about uh, sexual assault. These are areas that they have shown uh, all kinds of criminality surrounding. Um, I mean, maybe not when it, racism isn't necessarily criminal, but you know what I'm, I'm saying here. This is something that, I mean, we, to, to see uh, Ronna McDaniel, for example, the head of the RNC, tweeting uh, negative things about uh uh, about Ralph Northam being a racist, for God's sake, it, you know, it's just it, to, to hear that from the head of the Republican Party, from the head of the RNC, which has institutionalized the idea of the Southern strategy for the last fifty years. It's, it's just so goddamn infuriating, and again, it makes you feel like you're being gaslit, which is exactly what they're doing. Oh, I, I know, but you know, I think at times like this, <clears throat> it's important for uh, members of both parties to condemn this sort of thing. Yep. And uh, were the tables turned. Uh, our folks would be uh, issuing similar statements. And uh, like you said, I think uh, Democrats have a slightly more solid uh, ground from which to speak than than Republicans do. Uh, But, uh, you know, uh, it is typical and proper that uh, both parties condemn such activities and statements. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not excusing Ralph Northam at all. I mean, everyone knows by this point, you know how I feel about Ralph Northam. He's an idiot. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, I I think back to the 1980s. Northam? (laughs) Right. I I think back to the 1980s, and there was, a. I mean, for God's sake, uh, blackface in the 1980s was still kind of a punchline. It was still kind of a joke that was acceptable. I mean, there was a movie that was out called Mm -hmm. Soul Man, in which which C. Thomas Howell 
uh, played a, a white kid who was trying to get into college, and the only way he could get in was to uh, pretend he's a black guy. And so mm-hmm. he's wearing blackface, and he got in, and it was kind of a big slam on affirmative action, and it was uh, obviously uh, you know a racist pr- portrayal, very stereotypical mm-hmm. portrayal of a black man. Uh, by C. Thomas Howell, whose career has just skyrocketed since then, hasn't it? And, uh, and, and you know what? That was 1986. That was several years after this Ralph Northam thing where he apparently was, I don't know. But I mean, the fact of the matter is too, on top of being an idiot with his racism and being an idiot when it comes to abortion, he's also an idiot in terms of damage control. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, the talk lo- about the, fucking the, up. The lying, the incompetence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and again... Damn it, this just underscores America's lack of faith in government yeah. and politics. It does stop doing that. Yes, I know. My God. And he needed his wife there to say, you know, you know probably a bad idea to do the moonwalk during this uh, press conference. I mean, I couldn't fucking believe what I was seeing. Yeah. He's talking about, in a follow-up, he's talking about how to... Uh, Apply the shoe polish. Let me say. Let me say this though. You know, a lot of people, a lot of voters in Virginia, black and white, saw Northam as a good man. With I might add. A good voting record on civil rights, and yeah. so it took a while to absorb uh, the gravity of of what he'd been a part of. And he says he's changed since then. But at this point, uh, you could almost. Uh, I don't want to say disregard the racism because you shouldn't ever do that. But racism aside, uh, fire this guy on incompetence. Yeah. Well, and it's not even the same, though, as Republican racism, the racism that we've seen from the other side, which is also wow. born into a into a specific context where we have, you know, it's the Bill Maher thing where not not every Republican is a racist, right. but every racist is a Republican. So, yeah, I believe that. But that's like in a way saying uh, this arsenic is less poisonous than that arsenic. And I, <laughs> that and I think that's true. a that's a dangerous that's a dangerous game to get into. I think, you know, it's, I, I know what you're saying, mm. but let's not lose our perspective that there both arsenic yeah that is absolutely true so i mean it's obviously a dumb move a, a horrible uh a, a process of, of damage control that he's engaged in and quite honestly though what he's doing he's doing the trump strategy right now he's doing the let's wait until the news cycle changes let's hunker down not do anything not resign and everyone will just get distracted by the next big uh dro- drop in the news cycle the next big thing out of the fire hose of news and then everyone will forget about this and that's what the republicans do every goddamn time i mean isn't there still a guy um uh, oh yeah well jim jordan for god's sake is still a sitting member of congress after he's been linked right. to all these uh, molestation charges at, at ohio state i mean these are things that uh, the republicans do all the time and ralph northam is just borrowing from that strategy and i guess in that sense it's still bad because again this is something that uh, the Democrats have to be uh, above the fray on. We have to yeah. take the high road when it comes to situations like this. Well, in some ways to me, this is a, a Virginia story, a state story. The, yeah. well, the only part of this that makes it national, I mean, because as I read the other day, and I'm sure this is a, a, perhaps a common black perspective, it's always 1884 somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, so I, I think that, this is a matter for Virginians to work out what the we and the rest of the country can look at from this is how the presidential challengers are how the president how his cha- and how his challengers are reacting 
and responding to this, what they have to say about it. Uh, those things are, are going to be important. It's good to know that stuff now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, you know, th- th- that's the only, to me, national. Otherwise, to me, it's a distraction from uh, a president suspected of being an agent of Russia. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's terrifying again. I mean... I'm just I'm in that mode right now, Buzz, and I I have to admit I haven't really been in a great mood when it comes to uh, the overall view, or at least my overall view of, of the political scene right now. I just I feel like you can't keep getting away this with it. right here. This is me. My my you can't my. Keep getting away with it. Yeah. My loving advice to you and and everyone listening is don't let it drive you crazy. Don't don't take to heart uh, everything that's going on except. Yeah the criminal focus on the president that's going to solve all of those other problems or nearly all of them well i feel especially susceptible to the gaslighting you know the, and we've seen a lot of it over the last uh, three four oh, days oh sure sure you got to learn to turn that off or it will drive yeah. you insane no hear it know what it is and then disregard it and focus on the important business at hand yeah yeah and one of those uh, important pieces of business is uh, obviously donald trump's uh, good genes and the fact that his face is perpetually orange and the fact that he uses makeup to do that and that's that's one of the things we're going to mention briefly on the post-mortem show leading into the fact that he's got another physical exam coming up next week and i want to talk about ronnie jackson uh in that context too so we're going to get into that on the post-mortem show on our patreon page again patreon.com slash bob seska show or if you want to sign up for five dollars a month and get the uh, post-mortem show go to patreon.com slash join slash bob seska show and uh, thank you for doing that in advance. Meanwhile, Buzz Burbank can be found at buzzburbank.com, also at realmnetwork.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Get it where all fine podcasts are sold. It's the best hour of news you're going to hear all week. And plus, there's a teeny tiny commentary in there by uh, by me, by yours truly. <laughs> Always great. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jody Hamilton can be found at from-the-bunker.com, also at Hi, fr- from the bunker Jr. Uh, Jackie Schechner's at investigaterussia.org slash donate. Support Jackie Schechner and her effort to continue uh, the uh, committee to investigate Russia. That's a huge deal over there. And uh, and so far, so good with uh, uh, Jackie Schechner. Stephanie Miller shows at stephaniemiller.com. Jen Kirkman. We're going to see Jen Kirkman this weekend at the Arlington Cinema and Draft House. I can't wait to see Jen Kirkman's show. See all of her tour dates at jenkirkman.com. Dot com, one of the funniest comedians working right now. You don't want to miss that. Also, she's a writer on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know if you know cool. that. No, it's I know. Amazing show. All right. Thank you, Buzz. We'll see you on the Postmortem Show. Bye-bye. Shut the fuck up. Shut <laughs> all the way the fuck up until all you the reach way. the top of Shut, shut Fuck, fuck mountain. mountain where there are no more fuck-ups to shut.